Hey race fans, welcome to Talking Stock. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 18 of Talking Stock. It is September the 19th. I'm here with my co-host Trey. Trey, how you doing? Hey Kyle, I'm doing great. It's a victory Tuesday. The Pittsburgh Steelers pulled off a wild one last night. Uh, the The defense really showed up. Offense wasn't great, uh, but excited about that one. Excited about talking about some uh, NASCAR playoffs and getting into the round of 12 here. Yeah, it was a, it was a clean sweep for me this weekend. Uh, Notre Dame, Steelers, and Hamlin all won, so it was a pretty good weekend. Um, this week coming up, though, Notre Dame, Ohio State, I will be there in South Bend, uh, probably biggest game of the week in college football. Um, pretty hyped about that. Notre Dame looking good this season. I think that they finally uh, kind of turn a corner with the quarterback play, and I think they knock off the Buckeyes this week. Um, maybe have something, uh, some national title implications. I know a lot of our listeners probably from down south feel good about their Georgia Bulldogs, uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe anything could happen. Wide open year. Penn State looks pretty good. Yeah, I would love to see you guys take out the Buckeyes that uh, I think allows maybe a slightly easier path for Penn State. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it shows that Ohio State's beatable. Uh, as we've seen, Penn State hasn't been able to do that much recently against both Ohio State and Michigan, but I think this might be our year. Uh, we got the quarterback. We got the defense. So really excited. So I think both of our teams wouldn't it be awesome to find a little Penn State Notre Dame matchup, uh, either in the semis or in, or for the national title. Sure, for sure. Definitely, Wishful thinking. <laughs> definitely a game that I, I would like to go to. Maybe I don't know if that would be the Sugar Bowl or the Rose or what have you, but that'd be awesome um, to go and see that. But uh, as we kind of wrap up the round of sixteen, it was another win. After a couple dominant performances in a row, but no wins. It was finally a win for Denny Hamlin at Bristol this past Saturday. Career win number 51. Like I said, competitive in every race so far this playoffs, looking like a real uh threat to win the championship this year. Trey, how do you how do you spin this for the field? Yeah, I think that Denny did what I thought he was going to do the previous two weeks. I think that there was a portion of all three of these uh playoff races so far that I thought that. Yep, nobody's catching Denny. Denny has this one in the bag. And then there were some cautions, some different things that shook up the field late in the first two races. Um, But this one, that didn't happen, and he kind of ran away with it. Didn't really feel like at the end there that there was much competition. There was no one really knocking on the door to get there. Overall, kind of a uh, more of a, I don't want to say boring race, but it felt kind of complacent. There wasn't a lot of moving around throughout the pack. My favorite part of the entire race was watching Kyle Bush and Christopher Bell battle while Bush was trying to stay on the lead lap there at the end of stage two. And I mean, it was like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 laps that every time they got into the corner, uh, Bell was on the inside. And I was like, okay, there it goes. He lost the lap. And then he'd get out of the, out of the turn and have a huge run. And I was like, okay, we're still not a lap down. Eventually he did end up getting passed. I think they're in stage three as did most of the field. Uh, but very mad race. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, definitely a little, um, I'd say a little improved from how the most of the short tracks have gone this year. I was at Martinsville uh, in April, 
And, you know, it was exciting. I think Martinsville is an exciting place to be. For those in the audience, like in the cr- crowd at the stadium, um, I mean, I guess you could say it's boring. But for me, like I'm always entertained because you see everything. Um, but when you're on TV, I think that a lot of these short track races have fallen more in that boring category. Uh, but I thought that this was slightly an improvement. Um, you know, they've been working on the short track package pretty much since the middle of last year when it was pretty clear that it was terrible. Um, so I think they're getting better. I would say it's far from as good as how, uh, as good as the mile and a half have looked. So there's still a long way to go. Um, but for it wrapping up the round of 16, I thought it was pretty good. Um, exciting end to everything. Um, but we end up with the cut line. We lose Ricky Stenhouse, Michael McDowell, Kevin Harvick, and last year's champ, Joey Logano. Yeah, that was kind of interesting to see uh, Logano. I guess not really all that interesting, though, that he hasn't been great. That whole Penske team hasn't been great this year. They haven't been awful, but they certainly haven't been been great living up to, you know, defending uh, champ status. Uh, maybe a little, you know, championship hangover there. But once Logano crashed out of this race, to me, I lost a lot of interest because it felt like they're just nobody was moving the points. They one, they had the ticker on the left hand side of your screen the whole time showing the kind of the standings. And then you can never see where where people outside of the top 10 were running. But that's a different story. Uh, It just felt like nobody was moving there because everyone was on a different lap. Like anybody that was competing was, you know, three laps down, you know, with uh, Harvick there, I think he ended up four or five down. And then Ricky Stenhouse and Michael McDowell were both running at the front, but they didn't, they couldn't move up far enough outside of maybe taking the win to move on. So it just felt like they're kind of knew once Lagana was out that that was really about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a strange year uh, to see both. I mean, to be honest, they're both going to be hall of famers go out so early, but it was odd to see a champion go out. I'd hate to say uh, McDowell or Stenhouse, you kind of wrote them off short of them pulling out a miracle win. Uh, both had really great years for their organization, Michael McDowell especially. Um, but it's just – they were clear that they weren't good. They're just not good enough um, to, to go too much farther. So a shame as that is, uh, I hate to see those guys go out, you know, because they do bring a lot to the table as far as their organizations are concerned. There's, you know, some new faces represented, but it was pretty easy to write them off. But um, Joey Logano going out was extremely uh, – I want to say shocking – um, with how you know the point standings were what they were going into the race, but you just don't it doesn't seem real until it happens. And you know, they just weren't fast, and neither was Kevin Harvick. Both were in the back, and that's just kind of how it was. And seeing Kevin Harvick as disappointed as he was in that interview, uh that sucked because that's a place that he's typically been pretty good as Bristol in his career. So his last time there, uh, with kind of everything to race for, um, seeing him go out that way is definitely disappointing. Yeah. But from the standpoint, maybe not from a rating standpoint, but I think from a parody standpoint, seeing last year's champ in a definite future first ballot Hall of Famer and Kevin Harvick both being eliminated in the first round shows a lot that this sport, it's, you know, there's no one that's able to just clear cut dominate. You have to run well week in and week out because there's that many guys running well that will take your spot if you can't do it. So I think from a standpoint of competitiveness within the sport, it was actually kind of, I don't want to say cool to see, but good to see that that there's other people that you can talk about. Now, from a rating standpoint, now that you know Joey Logano 
Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott are all out of championship contention uh, and we're just entering it into the round of 12, that's going to hurt from that standpoint. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that that's a good point. Um, when you look at the remaining guys left, I think there's a number of guys that have their so much of their story left to be written. I mean, there's Bubba Wallace, there's Ryan Blaney, Chris Buescher, uh, even and Christopher Bell, he was in the championship four last year. You know, he doesn't have, you know, like the I want to say the pedigree of, you know, your the guy, the really good guys that have been left or the career guys like Kyle Bush or Hamlet or Truex. But like there's new names that are going to come out of this playoff. Um, I think a couple of those guys, unfortunately, will be eliminated this round. But all that said, I mean, you know, they're out there to change that narrative of themselves. Uh, and eventually, you know, you're going to see Hamlin and hang it up. And Harvick is on is already on that path. And Truex the same way, or Kyle, Kyle Bush has a good bit of time, actually, but he is on the older side of things. You know, so there's going to be time for these new guys to to step up. And I, I think we're going to see maybe the first chapter of that new story kind of be written this year. William Byron, I didn't even mention. He's been fantastic this year. It's been the best year of his career. And in my opinion, he's my pick to win the, the championship. You know, I, I think that that happens this year. So a lot to play for, for sure. But I think the biggest story of the weekend, for me, other than Hamlin's win, was definitely Truex getting advanced. If, if if he had been eliminated, that would have been the biggest shock. Um, I, I, not that people would be surprised that it could happen, but just how much that shakes the field up because he is one of the best cars. That is a sleeping giant team right now. If they catch on like they were in the midsummer stretch there, they're going to be a real force to be reckoned with. Yeah, a true survive and advance scenario here. Now Martin's back on top of the the leaderboard in points because they reset heading into the round of 12. Uh, so he gets all of those, the 15 extra points he got for winning the, the regular season championship, plus all of his wins and stage wins. So he's looking fairly good. That's what we thought going into the round of 16. But definitely a sleeping giant. All it takes is one or two races to really get that momentum moving. Um, I, I don't think he ran as well as he could have this weekend at, at Bristol, but he did just enough to get himself to move on uh, with, you know, with some cars getting knocked out early and different guys being lapsed down. Once he got to a spot that he was kind of locked in, I don't think he was pushing anything because at that point, the only way he was getting knocked out was with a wreck. Um, but I'm excited to see Martin. You, you have Willie B winning at the end. I still think Martin Truex is going to catch on here. You know, he has the pedigree of being a champ with a great team, with a great organization, great driver. I think he uh, is going to be a, a force to be reckoned with here. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and coming out of Bristol, I think that's a major storyline, just how the points reset. You know, we were this close um, to losing Martin Truex there, and that would have really shook things up a good bit. But moving on from Bristol this week, we have two major headlines. First, the LA Clash will return to the NASCAR Cup Series schedule in 2024. Yeah, this is an interesting event. I don't know how great the racing actually is on the track, but I think it's more of a, you know, early season, preseason spectacle. You know, the NFL has the Hall of Fame game. So we we get to race at the at the LA Coliseum here. So definitely brings some viewership, maybe some a newer audience uh to to watch before the season. But the racing is not that great. But it's cool. It's it's a good experience to see your guys back on the track for the first time in in a couple months. At that point, yeah, it's strange. Uh, NASCAR has been looking for an identity to the Clash for so long. As soon as they came away from the initial format of it having to be pole winners, 
And then it was pole winners plus, you know, people that shook hands with other drivers before the other race. You know, they just were coming up with weird criteria that you had to be to get into the clash. And until eventually it just was everybody was in the clash. So they, they've been looking for that identity for so long. They've found something that's kind of popular. I would like to see them just be at a short track personally. So the racing would be a little bit better. I don't even mind if it'd be on the smaller side, but also you know, from a logistics perspective, how many short tracks do we have in a warm area in the first week of February? Um, so there's enough, there's a bunch of stuff to juggle there. How many can handle a NASCAR event? You know, I mean, the LA Coliseum handles, you know, the biggest of the biggest, so they can definitely handle NASCAR provided they can get a, a surface down to race on. So, um, it, it's definitely odd, but you know, I'm glad that they're sticking with something that's kind of has a little bit of an identity. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, the format continues to be tweaked that it's giving us the best product. I think overwhelming the, the track with too many cars has been the issue. Um, but obviously there's the sponsor factor that, you know, they want to see their cars on the track and we're paying for this scheme. We want to see it on the track. So there's a bunch of stuff to balance there. Uh, but the second big thing uh, coming in the rumor mill was the signing of Zane Smith to track house. Now I'm going to let you try to explain this to me, Trey, because I know I sure as hell don't understand it. I might completely butcher this because I'm confused as hell as well, because Zane Smith signs to drive with track house. But the car is being owned and run out of the Spire uh, uh, shop there. They bought the the charter off of Live Fast uh, Motorsports there. So they now have an alliance. Does that make them teammates? Like, is Zane Smith teammates with possibly Ty Dillon and Corey LaJoy? Or is he teammates with Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain, or is he teammates with all of them? Or is he teammates with neither of them? I don't know, but that's what's happening. Yeah. I mean, so Zane Smith is now the illegitimate child of pit bulls, basically how I understand this. Um, you know, this is, he's got, he's got another kid with another family, another life he's running because, you know, it, it, he's a track house car, but he's got the other kid, parents last name and, and his clothes. So I don't know. It looks extremely weird. I don't really understand it. Um, I guess the reason the reason would be Trackhouse might be in the market to get another charter for one and two. Um, they have him locked up as Zane Smith's, you know, up and coming driver. Obviously, he had some things not go his way um, with the thirty um, front row motorsports front front row. So he didn't have that go well for him. So you know they, they're kind of he was a free agent and and I think he's a good prospect. So. I don't blame track house for trying to get their, their, their hooks into somebody long-term. That's, you know, I mean, their drivers are, are established and in their prime, but they don't have too much of a feeder program. So I don't mind the move. I just don't understand necessarily the setup. Yeah. I'm not sure the logistics entirely, but I think it's a really good move for Zane gets him an opportunity in cup. I think that, you know, Spire, we've seen them make some strides, especially with the seven car this year uh, and even last year. But especially now partnering with that track house team that we've seen run really well for the last two years now. You know, Ross was in the championship four last year um, and still still around, still kicking right now. And in the, in, in the round of 12 has a chance to maybe get back to the round of four. I doubt it. But stranger things have happened. So really good opportunity for Zane. I think it's a good good move for track house and puts Spire a little bit more on the map. I would agree with that. That is a, a good deal for both sides, for sure. Um, but as we move this week and preview this Sunday's race, it will be at 3.30 on USA. we got a 400-mile race waiting for us in Texas, Trey. What's in store? 
We're going to a mile and a half track, which has this year been really good with the the next gen cars, but we're going to Texas. Texas has not been really good as of the last several years. Um, So maybe now with the, the new car, the next gen car, now in its second year, they've made the tweaks that have really made it run well on the on the mile and a half. Hopefully those hold up here. We saw it run well at Kansas. We saw it run well at Charlotte. Uh, so I think that it has an opportunity to be pretty exciting, but I don't want to hold my breath for it because I've seen some really, really terrible races at Texas. Yeah, it, Texas is you know a track that people have talked about, you know, bulldozing and putting a short track in, wiping off the Cup Series schedule altogether. It's too much of an investment in Texas and too much in that market to give that up. But this has just not been a track that's brought a lot of excitement. Um, but when you put it in the playoffs and, and you make the result of the race matter, I think you make it interesting. Um, obviously, we're in a situation where, you know, it's a team that's kind of struggling, like maybe Ross Chastain, or you know, we haven't seen a ton of Kyle Busch and RCR recently. If, they're, if someone like that is able to go to victory lane, they're technically in the semifinals, right, to get to the round of four. So, Anything can happen. There's a lot that's going to be on the line. Uh, the guys at the top, your Hamlin, your Truex, your Byron, Kyle Larson, those guys got to take care of business. Uh, everybody else, I think, is there's an open door there. Um, going off of last year's results, there's a mixed bag of who was good and who was not. Typically, it wasn't Toyota. So Toyota, I think, has picked up around uh, the schedule this year. Their, their short tracks have been better. Their road courses have been better. So they've improved steadily. I would expect the Toyotas to compete with how well they've done on the second half of the schedule. Um, but you never know. This might be an opportunity that you take two two people that look like maybe the, the top championship contenders right now, like Hamlin or Truex, because of how many points or how they're running. It might be an opportunity for them to not have the speed this week. So it might be a great opportunity for somebody like Kyle Busch or uh, Ryan Blaney or Ross Chastain to find themselves in victory lane. Yeah, I think that that's a great point there that, the door is definitely open more so than what we've seen at some other tracks that, uh, you know, the Toyotas and Joe Gibbs racing have really dominated at. Uh, so we saw a lot of Chevys towards the top of the field here last year. Uh, we saw some a couple of Fords, but the Toyotas just were not great. I think that Denny Hamlin might have been the highest finisher here last year, uh, finishing 10th. So definitely an opportunity for some guys to, if even if they don't win the race to make up uh, some ground on, on and, or start some momentum in their favor. I would agree with that. And on that note, Trey, I think it's a good time to get into our race predictions for how we see this race going in Texas. Um, recapping how we went last week at Bristol, Trey went plus one for the 17. I went plus two uh, for the five and 17. So the standings currently 27 to 21 Trey. Uh, him, him picking the winner a couple weeks ago, kind of distancing those standings. I think I'm going to need to pick a winner myself to get myself back into it going through these last seven races. But Trey, as we go to this week, who's going to get you five more points? Yeah, guy, we've talked about a few times throughout this, uh, this episode here. I'm going to go with Willie B getting himself in victory lane, locking up himself into the round of eight, continuing his great season that he's had. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I, we don't match too often, but just like on college game day, you do see multiple broadcasters picking the same result of the game. I think I like William Byron this week as well. He's been kind of quietly putting a good playoff together. Uh, I think a lot of the attention's been to Kyle Larson uh, for the first few weeks of this playoff as far as Hendrick cars are concerned, but I think this is a really good week to be Willie B, and I think that he gets it done at Texas. 
Yeah, in my top three of five, um, I'm going to take another Chevy, the eight of Kyle Busch. Uh, the eight of Tyler Reddick last year won this race. Uh, that eight crew has, for the most part, run really well. This year, attracts that they ran well at last year. So I think they're going to stick with that and get himself a top five finish, build some momentum heading in, uh, where I think I've seen a lot of people predicting that this might be the round the cow gets knocked out. So I'd love to see him advance there. And then joining them in the top five is the 19 of Martin Truex. I think those are good picks. I, I really uh, appreciate the trend of Randall Burnett's team, the eight team, of how they ran in 22 to how they ran in 23. It's been very mirrored, and I would expect Kyle Busch to have a very good race car this weekend. As for myself, I have the five of Kyle Larson, the 11 of Danny Hamlin, and the 24 of William Byron. But hopefully we have a good race at Texas. I know I'm excited for it to get the round of 12 started. You can feel the championship. It's close. Both of our guys are in it. I think it's going to be excited down the stretch. But uh, moving to the last thing we got here is our Twitter question. I think it's a great question, specifically because I'm not a fan of Joey Logano. But the question is, with the exit of Joey Logano in the round of 16, is RFK the premier Ford program going forward? I think we've already talked about this this year a couple of times, and I've kind of stuck by my point that, at least for this year, RFK has blown out uh, Penske in terms of being the top the top Ford man- manufacturer with both uh, Chris Buescher and Brad Keselowski running really good for, you know, a good, good majority of the year with uh, Chris is up to, I believe, three wins on the year. Brad still hasn't gotten one yet, but that still might be coming. So the Penske team hasn't been terrible, but now that Joey's out and all they got left is Ryan Blaney, who's been just very there throughout most of the season. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this is Ford belongs to, to RFK. I, I would say that it's hard to argue otherwise. I, I think that RFK, they bring the fastest cars right now. They've been the most consistent team. Uh, I know that there are only two cars, but I think people really need to grab the significance of what this means. You know, I mean, when you represent a manufacturer and you're their team, um, you're getting better data, you're getting better equipment, you're getting better publicity. And if RFK gets that, you end up in a situation where in the early 2000s, that's the team, was not just for Ford, for the sport was Ford, uh, RFK, or at the time, which is Roush, um, Roush Yates, or whatever it was at the time. So there's a lot that goes into that. And I think that Penske's in, in, in order to look at themselves and say maybe there's some changes on the horizon. Because Austin Cindric, I know he has some connections to Penske higher up, has been less than impressive. Uh, really, one, I even almost at this point want to call it a lucky finish. I mean, Daytona is a lottery machine anyway, but you know, he's not really been all that impressive. It's hard pressed to find him in the top 10. And, you know, he's just really not done much. Harrison Burton hasn't done much in the Wood Brothers car, which is technically a Ford Penske. Uh, and Ryan Blaney and uh, Joey Logano were not great this year. Obviously, Logano won a championship last year. I don't know if I see that for RFK. So that's one thing you can point to and hang your hat on is, you know, we won a championship just last year. So don't throw any dirt on our grave just yet. But, man, they have not looked great. I think they've got some major holes, and I think that they underestimated how much it meant losing Brad Kozlowski. But as we as we uh, kind of wrap up here, we always appreciate you guys checking us out. Go check us out on Twitter at Talking Stock Pod. We want to know where you're rooting from and who you're rooting for. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Enjoy Texas. 